Okay, there we go. What are you waiting for? Do it! Triple M. Robinson, well, with all of the excitement building for the new Star Wars movie, what better guest to have with us than Charlie, who does the one-man Star Wars show? How did you get involved in this? Well, I can tell you, I've performed in 132 cities so far, and I've done the show over a thousand times uh, since 2002. I never actually thought that this would ever work out. So, I mean, when this happened, it was like a comedy sketch. It was about a 20-minute comedy sketch that I thought I would do a few times and nobody would care about. This is the only thing I do for a living. Okay, well, let's have a look at it. Charlie, the one-man Star Wars show. This here is the trash compactor scene, if you guys remember. Yeah, yeah. The very first film. Get behind me! Get behind me! This is some rescue. You got it? You a plan for getting out? Well, he's the brain, sweetheart. What the hell are you doing? Someone to save us, kids. In the garbage, you fly boy! Get there, you big furry oaf! I don't care what you smell! Get in there! Get in there! Wonderful girl! I'm gonna kill her and begin to like her! Get in there! Ah! The garbage chute! What a wonderful idea! What an incredible smell you've discovered! Well, it could be worse! There's something alive in here. <laughs> something just swam past my leg. Look, did you see that? Kid, Luke! Kid, Luke! Blast it, will you had my gun jammed? Where? Oh, anywhere! No! Kid, Luke! Kid, Luke! Grab him! What happened? I don't know. Just let go of me. He disappeared. <coughs> the walls are closing in. Don't just stand there trying to brace with something. Wait a minute. 3PO! Come here, 3PO! 3PO! Oh, where could he be? 3PO! 3PO! Are you there, sir? 3PO, we've had some problems. Will you shut and listen to me? Shut down all the garbage smashes on the attention level. Do you copy? Shut down all the garbage smashes on the attention level. No, shut them all down. Hurry. Hey, you did 3PO! Listen to them all, too. They're dying. Oh, curse my mental body. It wasn't fast enough. It's all my fault. My fault. We're all right. You did great. <laughs> where are we? 3263827. <laughs> it's a great format, though. I mean, it, it kind of fits in anywhere. Oh, it's genius. Time of the year where everybody's completely stressed. And I guess that's what happens when you get to Christmas. But think about this poor man in India who's born with four legs. Apparently the other two legs came from his twin, and they were attached to him when the twin never came out. So he was born with four legs. The local villagers in his village have outcast him. Initially, they thought he was a bit of a devil, and he had a really hard time getting his trousers made properly, but they've accepted him now. And I'm thinking to myself, well, that's kind of like bad news followed by good news, and good news means this. What's the punchline? What's the punchline? You ready for this? Because i got a couple of good ones. Go on, then. Guy born with four legs. That makes him four foot tall. Oh, that was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What have you got there? And mine's not very good. All right. Um, if you took him to a bar, it would take him twice as long to get legless. No, I don't mind that. How about this? If he doesn't become a teacher, which is what he wants to be, maybe he can be a foreman. 
four fans. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, what do you got? What's the punchline? One triple three five three. There's a lot to work with there. Man has four legs, can't buy the trousers, wants to be a teacher. I mean, that's a veritable smorgasbord of punchlines. And there's a CD at the end of it for the best one. One triple three five three. Man born with two extra legs. Four legs. What have you got? Man born with four legs. What's the punchline punch if you've got four legs and you're a man, Greg? He might come forth. <laughs> come forth and multiply, maybe. Adam, how are you? What's the punchline for the man with four legs? I was just wondering, if he pulls out of a sporting competition, does he forfeit? Forfeit! Now that's good. I like that. Jason, what's the punchline? Uh, it's going to be hard for him to get a leg up in life. <laughs> or maybe he has too many legs up in life. Gareth, what's the punchline? If he was to run a marathon, would, be, would he be allowed to use four legs or would he only be allowed to use two? Or would he have to forfeit? Hey, we're a double eight between the service. Matt, how are you? What's the punchline? He wouldn't want to be playing any sport because he'd always forfeit. Forfeit! See what you did there? Dave, how are you? What's the punchline? Here you go, mate. You was born like half a horse, but you only had the front half with the four legs. That's a curious one and kind of like the Salvador Dali of punchlines. How are you, Dwayne? Oh, yeah, not too bad. How are you, mate? What's the punchline? Oh, uh, well, I was thinking he's going to be a teacher, so he's going to be giving a lot of kids a leg up. <laughs> Tony, what's the punchline? Well, the man with the four legs, you'd have to call him a quadrilla. <laughs> Hello, Ben, how are you? What's the punchline? Uh, he's leggy. You get that? Yeah, I just have to think about it for a while, that's all. Janet, how are you? What's the punchline? I think he should forfeit two of the legs or they'll confuse him with the teacher's pet. Lots of forfeit there with the punchline. What's the punchline? And I thank you very much. Gazza with the goss, and according to Twitter, the possibility of a Pearl Jam Australian tour next year. Yeah, well, very close to confirming an Australian tour. Now they've just dropped a few suggestive hints on Twitter, including we will be announcing tour dates the first part of the year. Was that Eddie Vedder? <laughs> it was Mike Vedder. It's a mixture between Mike McCready and Eddie Vedder. Oh, I could see how that could happen. Mm, right. Mm, and yeah. so, what did Mike McCready? What? Sorry, what did Eddie? <laughs> what did they say? Well, he just said we'll be announcing tour dates and then he reckons they've been doing some big shows in America and the band are in the studio writing new material. That's been admitted by Pearl Jam's manager, Kelly Curtis. Yep. And of course, next year's the band's 25th anniversary and we know that they love Australia. We know that like Australia's like their second home. Last time they were out here was the 2014 big day out finale. So I guess they'd want to probably be coming to Australia. I reckon it's high on their list. Hey, maybe, maybe Phil... <laughs> Don't say sound wave. <laughs> Here's what Mike McCready had to say when I spoke to him at the big day out, and he didn't mention sound wave back then either. We appreciate playing down in Australia. We appreciate the coverage that we get on your radio station. We appreciate the fans that come to our shows down here. It's been nothing but uh, amazing and uh, inviting and, and, and supportive, and we should have come earlier. So there you go. Do you want to start any other rumours about <laughs> Soundwave next day? What's coming up? Adele. Okay, she's she's headlining Soundwave. Sound I know I want to go. Can't wait to hear this mashup in a sec. Here's something you didn't realise that you needed, but I'm telling you right now, you bloody well do. An entire Christmas album sung by goats from the Swedish branch of ActionAid, a charitable organisation dedicated to fighting global poverty. Just a bit like Bono, except unlike Bono, they give their money away. Uh, features All I Want for Christmas is a goat with Oh Holy Night, Oh Come All Ye Faithful, and my favourite that I'm about to play for you, Sammy X, We Wish You a Merry Christmas.
Brilliant, I can't wait. It will highlight the positive impact that goats have on communities living in poverty. The organisation explains how goats can survive in climates too dry to grow crops, providing milk, of course, and wool, and they help struggling families in some parts of the world attain self-sufficiency. What a great idea. They get to put out their own album. Exactly right. Helping people who are less fortunate than those of us who don't have goats. I'd like to thank the goats for getting me through these hard times. All right, so, and I was going to say, I wouldn't kid you, but then I realised that punchline's even too bad for me. Would you like to hear from the album All I Want for Christmas is a Goat? A bit of We Wish You a Merry Christmas? What do you think? Of course you would. I mean, hello. Of course I want to hear it. And let me put this to you as well. And this is the truth. Every vocal on this track is performed by... A goat. A goat. That's exactly right. All right, here we go. Get ready. <laughs> That's so beautiful. That would take hours to do that. I don't know, I've never worked with goats. <laughs> I love this. Do you think we should play a track from it every night leading up to Christmas? Yes, please. And I think I may have fallen in love with the one that looks like Mariah Carey. We caught up with Chris Cornell ahead of his show on Friday, had a bit of a chat, got a couple of photos, have a look at those on the Rubble Room Facebook page. About to play a couple of songs that you're going to love, but firstly, the introductions, please. Mr. Inappropriate. He's one bad motor finger, a spoon man, and we're pretty sure he's at least seven feet tall. Please welcome to the Rubble Room, Chris Cornell. All right, people, they finally made it. People will come in off the street to see a show and they'll stick for the whole show and they'll be a fan by the end of the show. Their energy on stage is just unmatched by any band ever. Hey Chris, nice to see you mate. These solo shows, which I guess you'd be quite used to now, initially when you started doing it, you're kind of out there without a net. I was pretty aware there was nobody there. (laughs) I mean, there's no net now, but I think that was the whole point of it. That's something you just kind of have to get over right right away. You do one show like that, you sort of get it. You and your songs and that's all you got <laughs> do you get a sort of maybe even a better appreciation of the song well i think they evolve uh, continue to change i also think that some of that sort of happens with time even without playing i'm like and i'm not really sure what creates that i think the ability to sort of play it the way that it was originally intended is the first target the next one is to just kind of keep interested in it and see what what is possible to do with it and maybe you can make it a better live song than it was when you were in the studio and then at some point I kind of miss the way it was originally. Yeah. <laughs> you go back to it. And that's just a matter of like staying interested. It's just sort of, that's what makes it a performance, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. With the latest album, do you feel that melancholy songs for you are easier to write? It's easier for me to like it. It tends to be the case too with other music that I listen to. There has to be something about it that I can connect with emotionally. And I suppose that that can mean something that's aggressive, you know, and it can mean like a visceral anthem. Mm-hmm. But for me, even since I can remember being a little kid, it was probably more often kind of more somber 
With Say Hello to Heaven, which you did the other day for Scott Wayland, which, you know, we only found out about last week around this time, and it was just, it was an incredible shock for us. Originally, you wrote that song for Andrew from Mother Love Bone as well. That's who the song is about. Andy's the character in that song, you know, it's kind of, um, you know, I'm painting a, a scene, and, you know, an image of a scene that's almost like kind of a dreamscape where I run into him in the scene and have a conversation. So really, it's like this sort of fictitious, posthumous conversation that I have with him, and that's, that's the song. I was talking on air the other day because we just had the 35th anniversary for John Lennon, and you find it really hard to comprehend when somebody passes away that you just give so much stature to. Well, I think with John Lennon, it's unique in a lot of ways. One of them is he's John Lennon, yeah. and I think that there was a lot more to him than being a pop star or even a musical icon. And I think even now for me, as you know, being such a huge fan of his, I still sort of am figuring this guy out yeah. who died at 40. I think 42 yeah so like I'm already I've already lived 10 years longer and I still feel like this guy had a better handle on a lot of things than my 51 year old self does but I also think especially nowadays one of the weird phenomenon that happens is when a pop star or an actor somebody you know famous dies that might be the most that everybody's talking about him or writing about him in a long time it's almost like a new bend in their career sort of like a career milestone you've died and then you go through a few months of that so it becomes almost impossible to sit there and sort of deal with the notion that that's it they're not going to make any more public that's appearances because you're seeing their face more than you've seen maybe in a long yeah. time but that's not going to be a new face caught up with chris cornell from soundgarden and several other bands on friday night and i was talking to him about his version of john lennon's imagine and the song imagine in itself having been a, spent the last 30 years being a songwriter realizing how that's not craft i don't think i think there's so a certain amount of it must be intuition yeah. and it must be a, just like a um he must have been feeling it in his gut and just sort of allowed it to happen elvis costello is another person i think that he's a guy who i think he was way wise beyond his years yeah. you know and he was writing songs at 24 that i didn't really get until i was 34. It hadn't happened to yeah. me yet, but it happened to him when he was a kid. Well, he was caught up in the punk thing, but he was the furthest thing to punk. You say the depth of his songwriting as well, you know. And life experience and, and sort of making sense of it and clever enough to be able to put that to music. Because there are certain ideas that I think a lot of songwriters might have or certain ways that they see things or philosophies they have that stay sort of private because it's difficult to put in a three and a half yeah. minute song. I think John Lennon was a genius at doing that and having it still be something that was a song, that wasn't a thesis, that wasn't some version of his theology, but it could be how he felt about something, but it would also live as a song. I heard after this tour you're going back into the studio with Soundgarden as well. Have you got material in the can for that? We started writing, yeah, before uh, my record even came out. Oh, we were okay. already working on songs. So the, we started doing that a while ago. We've all been kind of doing different things, but we'll get back to it. We don't really have a schedule. Yeah. <laughs> sort of Soundgarden's method is to not really have one. Man, it's really great to talk to you. Thank you so much for your time. All right, thank you. So everyone's getting very excited about the new Star Wars film. I don't know if Darth Vader's actually in it. I was talking to somebody about it today and they said Darth Vader's dead. I went, no, man, that can't be the case. I don't know. But anyway, you'd know if you're a Star Wars fan. But I was thinking about uh, Darth Vader and the whole breathing thing. Because back in the days of traditional obscene phone calls, you'd answer the phone and someone would breathe quite heavily down the phone to you. I thought, I wonder how Darth Vader would go as the obscene phone caller. Can I say, by the way, listen to the response of the last caller, the third caller. It's genius. Hello? Hello? 
I'm sorry, I can't hear you very well. Yeah. Um, do you have a breathing problem? <laughs> I'm sorry, but I can't understand you. Are you having a stroke? <laughs> I'm sorry, but I can't help you. No way. Uh, that's a really bad line we've got here. Are you going through a tunnel or something, mate? <laughs> nah, sorry, mate. Your phone's shit. No, I haven't got time for this. Listen to this guy's response. Is that you, Tarfader? <laughs> Gazzo, another mashup. I love that. You know how much I love mashups. Yeah, you do. Just a bit, little bit too much. What? Adele with who? Adele with Nirvana, Alice in Chains, yeah. and Stone Temple Pilots. It's like Adele meets Fallen Grunge icons type thing. Somebody get me some Gaviscon quickly. Let's have a listen to it. <laughs> She's overborn, In the free world, baby. How's your tummy now, my friend? Well, I don't know if the Gaviscon's going to do it. <laughs> Get me something with a stemper. Seriously, that could have been possibly one of the worst things I've heard, and it's only Monday. Getting ready for the 2015 Rocky Awards, which are voted for by you, the Triple M Music Jurors. If you're not a jury yet, go to triplem.com.au and go to the front page of the website. You'll find a form, sign that, vote, and go in the running to win yourself a Marshall Amp as well. It's a fantastic Marshall Ant bar fridge. That could be yours. Triple M.com.au, be involved in that. Uh, let's have a look back at last year's Rockies and some of the highlights. Then I'm going to make a phone call. Yeah. The 2014 Triple M Rockies. Hi, this is Jerry Cantrell and Mike Inez from Alice in Chains here at the 2014 Triple M Rockies. The awards that you, the Triple M Music Jury, have voted for. We're here to present the Rocky for the best international rock band of 2014. Let's have a look at the nominees. Best international rock band, the Foo Fighters. ACDC. Metallica. Green Day. The Arctic Monkeys. Why'd you only call me when you're high? High. Best international rock band. We're doing it on New Year's Eve. Make sure you're a Triple M music jury. Go to triplem.com.au and sign up for that. Go in the running to win yourself the Marshall Amp Bar fridge as well. And we'll do that on New Year's Eve. And last year, our fantastic co-host and envelope opener, Sarah McLeod from Super Jesus, was brilliant despite the fact that she was really drunk. And I haven't had the chance to invite her to come back this year, mostly because she won't answer her phone when she sees it's me ringing her. <laughs> hey, by the end of the show last year, yeah. 
despite the fact that you were incredibly drunk, yes. how many beers did you have in the end? I don't know. Do we have to draw attention to it? I well, did try to get you to drink some, but you wanted. No, I didn't because I said, I'm going to be professional. And you said, well, just as well I brought 16 for me then. <laughs> Well, you were fantastic. <laughs> However, can I just say this? By the end of the show, uh, I kind of thought, whew, I'm not doing that with her again. But then as I listened back over the last couple of weeks of the highlights, I've thought, wow, you were the highlight of the show. <laughs> I can't believe you thought, well, I'm not doing that with her again. Well, Why you just freaked me out. The time? And every other interview we've done together has not been exactly the same. Yeah, but you said to me in the beginning of the show, stop shouting. And that was freaking me out. And then you said, I'm not going to call it an envelope. I'm going to call it an envelope. Well, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And if you started saying it was a garage, I'd say it's a garage. Can you it's come back again this year? Well... I know I haven't really I mean, sold it to you. I mean, I haven't, but you were the greatest yeah. thing on the show, man. Exactly. I mean, I'm confused. Like, with one hand you give us and the other you take us away. My boss showed me that. Yeah. It's called a shit sandwich. <laughs> How to win friends and influence people. That's it. Thanks. Say yes, you'll come back. Uh, will, will you be there? Yes, free beer. <laughs> will there be fun games and entertainment? There'll be free beer. <laughs> Free beer and an open mic. I'm in. Brilliant. Sarah McLeod, the co-host and chief envelope opener for the 2015 Rockies. Make sure you vote at triplem.com.au. It's all about Star Wars, although I'm going to do a bit of a, a mixture here, a hybrid. How are you, Stephen? Hey, Phil. Do you know your Star Wars? Pretty much. Do you know your Pearl Jam? The main songs, yeah. Great, okay, because <laughs> I've combined the two in a competition which I have brilliantly called Darth Vader. Oh, very smart. Oh, no, it's great, very smart. Yeah. I think it's going to win an award. So, uh, Darth Vader is going to read a couple of Pearl Jam songs. You've only got to get one of these two right in order to win the fantastic prize, which is some shitty okay. CD I've got lying around here somewhere. Okay, you ready awesome. to go? All right, here is your first Darth Vader song. Alive? No, it wasn't. It was Better Man. Oh, Better Man. Oh, oh, you've got to be a better man than you just were then in order to win the shit CD that i got lying around somewhere with your uh, name on it. Are you ready to go with Darth Vedder number two? Yeah. Son, she said, have I got a little story for you? I'm going to go alive again. You've got it and you've got it. Yes, Yay. fantastic. Come on, Stephen. Merry <laughs> Christmas. You've just won Lotto, except there's Thanks, only a Phil. CD involved. <laughs> cool. Oh, best Christmas ever. Isn't it? I'm just like, uh, I'm just like some Vinnies. You know how older men wear cologne? Cologne as in, I don't know, Old Spice, Brute 33, stuff like that. Well, i got a feeling that Green Day song, Boulevard of Broken Dreams, is all about elderly men wearing cologne. Hence the bit, I wore cologne. No, no, seriously, have a listen. I walk a lonely rope. I walk a lonely road. The only one that I have ever known. The only one that I have ever known. Don't know where it goes. Don't know where it goes. But it's zombie me. But it's zombie me. And I wore cologne. And I walk alone. Sometimes I wish a mother bear will find me. Sometimes I wish someone up there will find me. Today I wore cologne. Reap between the lines. Between the lines. What's buffed up and everything's alright. Right. Check my viral signs. Check my vital sign. 
legs. No, I'm still alive. No, I'm still alive. And I wore cologne. See? See? I mentioned this before when I said that song by Nate Nathaniel, Ratliff, uh, Son of a Bitch, SOB. They can't say Son of a Bitch in the UK on English radio because it's not accepted. You can say it here, though. And further to that, there's a restaurant in Spain which is encouraging British people to let it all hang out and to swear when they go and, you know, order food at the restaurant, at the bar, to the waiter. And I thought, well, give them a call and, uh, you know, make them feel as though it's a universal thing. Here in Australia, we're down for that too, man. Oh, yeah, hi, it's Phil here at Radio Triple M in Australia. I believe this is the swearing restaurant. Yeah, the restaurant where if you say, uh, where's my drink, mother uh, apparently that's accepted. Really? What about could do with a martini, you sucker? No, no. Okay, what about this steak's so tough? What cooked this? No, not that one either. Crikey, I didn't. I would have thought it was universal. What about um, if you don't bring me a beer in a minute, you can suck my. No, not that one. That one's not good either. Right. Okay. Um, gee, I wouldn't mind some mayonnaise, mother. No, Still no. In the city de Cullera. Oh, it's in the city that they say that. This isn't the bar where you say this food. How are you? Licking lady lover. Yeah. Okay. No problem. Thanks a lot. Gracias. We may find this a bit disturbing. He held me.